we are in this Advent season where we talk about Christ coming, and in so doing, um, we would, I like to read to you the genealogy of Jesus. And if you would follow along with me and uh, watch as I try to pronounce these names. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and I bet you're glad your name's not Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Solomon. And Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. That's another bad name. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jehoiakim and his brother at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jehoiakim, the father of Shealtiel. And the Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abud. And Abud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zodak, and Zodak the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Whoa. Just want you to know this. Our salvation was planned by God, and it came through generations, planned, orchestrated by God. So we have the culmination of these generations in Jesus, and none of this was by accident. And this shows us that God has been working out a plan of salvation that we just, it's hard for us to comprehend, and we get to celebrate that this morning. We're going to read today's scripture, and uh, it's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and it should be on the screen here for you in just a moment. Now, this follows up the genealogy, which shows that Jesus is the rightful heir. He is in the line and lineage of King David, and so he is a king. This king is not born in the normal way. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Now that right there is quite, is quite the phrase. When she was betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal, that's a, that's a very old school word, isn't it? I mean, how many of you said the word betrothed this week? Okay, probably not. Okay, betrothed is this idea. It's kind of an engagement, but it's legally binding engagement. It's kind of like, you know, nowadays we really romanticize engagements, right? I mean, I did when I proposed to my wife. I planned an elaborate scheme. It actually did happen on Christmas Day a long time ago. Was how many have we been married for? It's a long time ago now. I love you. It's been. But I had planned a big thing and proposed. It was all romantic. 
But see, their proposals were, were far more than just romance. They had to do with uh, agreements and contracts. It's like after the engagement, you get out of the contract and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to live, and here's how much your dad's going to give me, and da 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 okay? That was kind of how it went there. This was a legal contract of betrothal, and so here's what would happen. They, it was more than engagement, how we think of engagement. It was a, you were legally married in all situations, in all senses, except for you didn't live together and you did not sleep together. Because there would be a time at the marriage where that would be the place and the marriage would be consummated. So it's very important. Sometimes we overread this, and if you heard the story of Jesus before, you kind of pass along through this. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or legally engaged to Joseph before they came together. This, this is a, a nice, tidy Bible way of saying before, the they, had, before they had sex with each other. This is a very pointed passage that it wants to get you this fact that Mary did not have sex with a man, and she became pregnant. And even in, and some of you are thinking, this is pre-scientific, okay? During this time period, the Romans had functioning toilets. They had running water. They learned how to big, build really huge buildings without all the machinery we have. They understood how babies are made. And there's an emphasis on the fact that this is not normal. Okay? And pray for me because I'm going to have to gingerly talk about this, okay? This is just, but this is important. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph immediately believed her. No. If the woman you are engaged to comes up pregnant and you have not been involved with her in a way in which she would become pregnant, and she said, this is a child of the Holy Spirit, are you going to believe her? No. Let me give you that. You'd be like, say what now? I don't know how it happened, okay? Yeah. Verse 19 and her husband Joseph, being a just man, he finds out she's with child. They have not been together. They're in this legally binding contract, okay, which there's really legal ramifications if it was to be broken. And he finds this out. The Bible says something to us about Joseph. It says, and, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, and he was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. See, here's the, that's, how, that's how much of a contract betrothal was. He would have, not to get out of it was not just to call off the engagement and cancel all the wedding invitations you sent out or get rid of the save the date. In this situation, it was he had to, be, he had to get divorced from her because that's how legally binding the betrothal was. Secondly, the Bible says of Joseph that he was a just man which means that he tried to walk uprightly before God. He tried to do what was right. It wasn't that he was perfect, but that he was a man who feared God and tried to honor God with his life and behavior. And so he's had mercy on Mary. Although, do you know how mad he must have been? I mean, think about this. You ever watch daytime television? Like back in, back in college, I used to watch it all the time, and there's all these talk shows. And when somebody finds out, they do all those lie detector tests, right? Have you ever seen those before? No, none of you have. You're more holy than that, okay? You've never seen that. So 
when they do the lie detector test, and they find out that, oh, this guy has been cheating. Oh, it's a real nice, and oh, I'm, I just feel very hurt. No, what is it? Oh, no, you didn't. Chairs going over, people throwing things, people pulling hair. It's bad news. Think about this. This guy has put all of his, he's, he's, he's made a commitment to this woman, and she shows up with a child in her womb. It's not his, obviously, because they have not been together. And in all of that hurt, he is not vindictive. He is full of love and compassion and justice and mercy. And he just says, I'm going to put this thing to bed quietly. I'm going to divorce her without, because there's actually legal ramifications. If you follow the letter of the Old Testament law completely, she could have been stoned to death for this infraction. This was a huge violation of the law, but Joseph was a just man, and he, he didn't buy her story at first. And rightfully so, because this is, this is miraculous stuff. This is not something that happens every day. And so verse 20, there's an intervention from heaven that happens with Joseph. In verse 20, it says this, but as he considered these things. So obviously, this was on his heart and mind, and he was thinking about what had happened. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this is what the angel said. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He is aware. At this point, Joseph is considering, he's hurt by this, he's decided to divorce her. He is of the thinking, and this is the normal thinking, that you cannot get pregnant unless you have been with a man. So he is obviously very upset by this, but he has decided to do the just thing. The, whole, the God intervenes through the messenger, an angel. The angel comes and says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because there is something amazing that happens, that the Holy Spirit has come upon Mary and has produced in her a child. Now, I want you to understand this. The Bible is, this is weird, this is a weird story, and it is meant to be weird because it is miraculous. This is not something that happens just every day. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. This is not like some of the Greek mythologies and other mythologies that has the idea. There's other situations in which the little g-gods will come down and sleep with mortal women. Some of you may have heard, uh, heard of Hercules or any of those different types of stories like that. But in those stories... There are graphic depictions of relations between the, the God and the woman. It was meant to, to, to arouse, if you will. That is not what, what has happened here. The Holy Spirit produces a child in Mary. And we're going to talk about the reasons for that first, but I just want you to know this, that this is a holy, profound work of God that does not happen. Be apart from the miraculous. And so the Holy Spirit, Joseph is told that this child is not some, some product of an affair. This child is a product of the Holy Spirit. And it goes on, and he continues. This is the angel talking to him. He will bear a son, or she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And that means the word Jesus is, is kind of the Greek version of the, word, of the name Joshua or Yahweh saves. And it says this, 
she will bear a son, and, she, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then, she, and then the angel puts it in to, uh, and shows him how this is fulfilling the scriptures. In verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then look at Joseph, what he does. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He actually goes over and above what the angel says because he took his wife and married her. That's what the angel said. It says, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That means they did not have marital relations until the son was born. So there was no doubt that Joseph was not the father. Okay? You get back the DNA test, if you will, and he's sitting there, Joseph, you are not the father. And he's like, I know, it's the Holy Spirit. And everybody was like, yeah, right. And then we go on to verse 25, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And what did they do? They answered him, and they called his name Jesus. Now, many of us have heard this story before. But here's the thing about the Scriptures. They must and should in us bring about wonder. I am a self-professed, I hate all things sentimental and schmaltzy. I hate them. That's not a good thing, okay? But I have this, like, it's, it's nauseating to me to watch a Hallmark movie. And my dear wife, listen... I'm not hating. I'm wrong. I'm wrong, okay? I knew this. I walk in, and she's like, got, she's crying. It's such a good movie. It's been, it's like 25 days of Christmas. I don't know if, 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 if I mean, it's just on all the time. And it, I'm, I'm confessing to you something that is in me. This is not, this not should be, okay? I get so bristled and angry even at it. I'm like, no! And I just am not sentimental whatsoever. However, four years ago, a little over four years ago, God brought a little boy into my life. And we had waited for him for so long, and he came. And I was all, Amy was like, hey, decorate the house for Christmas. I was like, okay, no. <laughs> Not because I, I just, I didn't care. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to just do it. We're get extra work and take it down. I'm not telling you this is the way you should be now. This is the portion of the service where you get to see inside the darkness of my heart, okay? All right? There's repentance that happens. It's coming. Hold on. Hold on, okay? And I was always, she would tell me, I don't want to do this. This is just, it's not logical. We put this stuff up just to take it down. It's just going to do, and then we're not going to take it down. It's going to be February or March or May, and we're going to still have the stuff up. And no. Well, not long after he was born, I started noticing the way he would look at things. And when it was something new, even when you're little, when they're a little kid, it's like a ceiling fan. They're like, huh, huh, huh. And they got that look on, like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But there's a wonder and a joy to it that it does something to, did something to my heart that I wanted to see that look of wonder in his eyes. And so I, my wife thought that something had happened to me when I came home with a bag full of Christmas lights. 
and staples and everything to put these things up. And I'm working on it when she gets home from work. And she's like, what has happened to you? I don't know. I don't know. It was I saw what wonder was like. Wonder, there's a definition of it, a dictionary definition. It's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I call us to wonder today, to behold the beauty and the surprise and the unexpected nature and the weirdness of the good news that Jesus came in a virgin womb. I call us to wonder, not to just walk past it like it's commonplace or we see our manger scene and we know the story. I want us to come and look at the scriptures for what they should make us do, and that is wonder at the beauty and majesty of the plan of God. It is so weird and unexpected and lovely. I call us to wonder at the virgin conception, and I call us to wonder at the sincere faith of Joseph. Because here's what you need. You need to marvel and adore the God who would come to us in such a way. He is worthy of our stopping in this busy season to just wonder and adore. And so that's my goal today as we look at this passage is to call us all to wonder at this. First thing I want you to see is this. There is an emphasis, which I already mentioned, on the fact that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's virgin womb. If you will, go back and look in verse 18. Now, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ took place like this. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, okay, make sure that legal standing is known. It goes on, it says, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There's two things. It says, it doesn't have to, it, it makes emphasis on the fact that they had not been together in a physical, intimate sense, because it says it right there, before they had come together, before they had had marital relations, they had come, they, before that happened, she was found to be of child with the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on, and it says at the end of the passage, in verse uh, 25, it wants to make note again that Joseph, after he had agreed to marry uh, Mary, and he had agreed to listen to the angel, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. There is an emphasis on the fact that Jesus was conceived in a virgin's womb, and that is not normal. It is miraculous, and it is the doing of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've heard, some pe- you've heard people, and there's some, some funny doctrines that get associated with this over the years. There seems to be this, this you need to understand this, that, Mar- that Joseph, and, and Joseph did not know his wife until after G- jo- Jesus was born. All of the other kids that they were to produce were from Joseph, okay? She was not perpetually a virgin. Secondly, you need to know this, that the emphasis here on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit producing the child in Mary has some huge theological ramifications. Theological just means it has some some huge ramifications. huge significance in our understanding of God and how he relates to us, and especially how he saves. Why is this certain? Well, the importance is this. His father 
was God through the Holy Spirit. The paternity test would not have said Joseph or any other human being. It was God. This was confirmed through many different things, but definitely confirmed through the angels coming, both to Mary and to Joseph. We see the Mary, they come into Mary in loose account. We see the angel coming here into Joseph through a, via a dream in this account in Matthew. And so his father is very clear. This child is of the Holy Spirit. That's plain as day in verse 18. He did not know a man, Joseph. It was not a normal birth. Verse 18 says that, um, that, he w- that she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. We don't know how exactly this does, but I want you to know something. We don't know exactly how this worked. We do know it was nothing tawdry or, or, or sensual like some of the other tales because we don't have any of those details here. We also know this, that think about it this way. If God can speak and something comes out of nothing, it's not real hard for him to use already existing reproductive material to produce a child. Am I right? Right? If he could say, let there be light, and there's light. He says, let there be, some, I mean, let there be, you know, this. Let there be, and there's stuff. It's not a real far stretch to believe this. And we have evidences of God's handiwork and creation all over the place. And this should not be something that's so foreign that we can't buy it. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, and so that we know this, his father is not Joseph, it's, very, it's an emphasis in the text, his father is God through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' dad is God the Father. Second thing you need to know, the mother was fully a human woman, Mary. She was fully human. So this is important for several reasons. The first of which is this. Jesus was fully God because his father was God. He was fully human because his mother was a fully a human woman. This is important for several reasons. You know, just how you say this, I mean, on my dad's side, I'm this, and on my mom's side, I'm this. If you've ever done any of the, the ancestry uh, tests or anything like that, on my mom's side, I'm, you know, one-eighth, you know, Cherokee Indian. Or on this side, this is, a, this is what's happening here. We have this coming together of God and man in one person being fully God and fully man. This is important for our salvation because Jesus came to die. He came to pay the penalty for sins, and as such, he had to be the appropriate sacrifice for sins. That being the case, he must have been the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. It's seen in his parentage that he is fully God, and he's fully human. The next thing, as because his, God, his, his father is God, he is, as fully God, he was able to pay the eternal penalty for sin. Go down and look, because this is where Joseph, look in verse 20, when the angel comes. He tells Joseph a few things. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's reassuring Joseph that Mary has not been unfaithful, but God is doing a work in her womb in which he's bringing about the sinless Savior, Jesus. 
verse 21, it says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Do you realize something? And oftentimes who you commit a crime against shows the severity of your crime. Let me give you an example. If you call up a bunch of death threats against me, you may or may not go to jail. Please don't do that. I would not care for any death threats. But if you start calling with legitimate death threats to the White House, you will have visitors. And you will not, you will not care for those visitors. Why? You can threaten me all day long. I'm not much of account. But you threaten somebody or sin against somebody of high account? It's like this. If we have a fender bender, okay, and you're at fault, we're going to get upset with each other, okay? And I might be at fault. I'm going to call the cops. But run into a police officer doing something stupid. You know you're going to be put under the jail, Okay? Think about the greater the offense, and sometimes it relates to the person. I want you to know something. Our offenses, our sins against God, they, ha- they, they bear a cosmic significance. They are huge because we are offending his character and person. Therefore, for God to take care of and eliminate our sins, since it's such a great magnitude, since we've offended the greatness of God by the way we've all turned away, an eternal sacrifice, somebody worthy of taking on that penalty must have come. Therefore, Jesus had to be God. Secondly, we know this, that sin nature comes comes through our first parents like our we're kind of our default setting if you will you know how you get your iphone out and it's a default setting towards these different things and and we're default our default setting is sinfulness and we have we have we bear a guilt from our first parents adam and so here's the thing jesus jesus was not in the lineage of adam in one sense because his father was god and so he did not care carry with him the original stain the original stain that we're all born with of sin Jesus, as coming as a child of the Holy Spirit, was able to pay that eternal penalty we owe because we've offended the, offended the eternal God with our sins, even how small you may think they are. Jesus had to be fully God in order to pay the penalty correctly. But also, Jesus had to be fully human because he came as a sacrifice as a substitute, if you will, bearing sin. Because we see this. Look in verse 20 again. It says, he could, and, but as he considered these things, or verse 21, um, and the angel speaking to Joseph and says this, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Who has sinned? Who? People, everyone. So they've all sinned, right? If people owe the, owe the debt of sin, who has to pay it? People. Therefore, Jesus had to be a man, a, a, a human being, 
so that he could bear the penalty for people's sins and serve as a substitute. If he is not fully God, then he, he can't pay the eternal price. It would not be significant enough because our sin offended the eternal God. If he was not a human being through Mary, he could not be our substitute. He could not take our place. And he could not be God with us. Look in verse 22. Again, the angel speaking in a dream to Joseph said this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And there's a, there's a, a definition of that name given, and it's, which means God with us. The book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Do you realize something about God? He devised this wonderful plan in which he could uphold his justice by paying the penalty for sins through his own son. He doesn't let any sin go. It will be paid for one way or the other, but his way to come about it, to pay the eternal penalty, he had to have he had to send his son who was fully God, but also to be a substitute for those who committed the sins and to stand in their place to bear their sin. He, they must have, that person who pays the penalty has to be a human being. So God in his good mercy sent through the lineage of King David, which we saw in the passage preceding it, he sent this one who would, to, who would be king, rightful king in David's place, but he was fully God, fully man, bearing the penalty for sins so that God could be just in wiping away sins and that our, and he, God could be with us and show his great love for us that he did not leave us, but he comes in our deepest, darkest situations. And he pays the penalty for our sins as a substitute. Oh, how much God cares. How much does God care? It is unbelievable. This, this, this plan is so perfect. It pays the eternal penalty for sin is taken care of because he is God, and he is without sin. He doesn't have that initial sin nature, and he obeys as God, but he also obeys as a human being, tempted in every way we are, but never sinning. And he did that because we didn't live a perfect life, did we? No. But he withstood all of the temptations as a human all the frailties we have you know i like to sing the song silent night and i'm not going to dog this song because we're going to sing it a little bit and it has a really good it has the real the idea of peace but this idea of the little lord jesus no crying he makes is that a way in a manger i don't know remember that one away in a manger sorry let's go back to away in a manger sorry Check my Christmas Carol Rolodex here. You know the idea of no crying he makes? That's baloney. He's, what baby when they're, if they don't cry, something's wrong. Okay, that's just life with an infant. Like at all hours and moments of the day. Okay, this is life. He was a human, but yet he was God. He did that. It was God's plan. And he is God with us. So here's, here's the ramifications of this. If you feel unloved and uncared for, God came to earth as a human. 
you have, you have no right to say God is not loving. But you don't know what I've been through. I do know that God came to earth. But you don't, I don't know, but God came to earth. And you know what? But the very God in heaven, through the person of Jesus, came rip-roaring into life from the warm womb to the dark barn he was in, screaming and yelling, smacked on the hindquarters, I can imagine, cried, was laid in a feeding trough next to animals. But God doesn't, you don't know what, he loves you. His love is big. Secondly, if you don't think you need a savior, why the heck would God have gone to all that trouble? I mean, why? If you don't think you need a substitute, if you think you're okay, oh my goodness, you are looking at this wonderful sacrifice, this plan, this plan to be a substitute on your behalf, to bear your penalty. That's why he was born. He was born as a spotless lamb, one to bear the sacrifice of sin. He came to die as fully God and as fully man. See, as fully God, Jesus was able to pay the eternal penalty for sin. And as fully human, he could be an adequate representative for us and a substitutionary sacrifice. That should call us to wonder. That baby in the manger was God in the flesh. And God is with us in Jesus How can we not fall to our knees and wonder? How can we not go, oh, man, I want to adore you, God, in my speech, in my life, in my song, in, my, in the way I behave and act. I want to let it be an offering to you of adoration, which comes from this wonder of how. What a plan. What undeserved love. And you take your time this Christmas season, all the hustle and bustle and buying things, and just take a moment, and I'm saying this to myself as much as I am to you, and just to stop and to wonder. We make ourselves so busy sometimes that our souls are bare and worn. And to steal the line from Tolkien, we feel like butter scraped over too much bread. And I just call you to wonder, just to stop and to think about that story. Secondly, I want you to see this. Joseph obeys. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, and he did not know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I want you to see something about Joseph's faith. We wanted to wonder at the virginal conception and how God became God with us, how God the Father sent God the Son through the virgin conception. We see God's plan. Secondly, I want you to see this. I want you to look at Joseph's sincere faith, and I want it to inspire wonder in us. I want you to know something. Faith that acts shows itself genuine. Let me say that again. Faith that acts shows itself genuine. 
Let me give you what I'm, what I'm talking about. If Joseph had the dream, and the angel of the Lord told him everything, that this child is of the Holy Spirit, he's come to save his people from his sins, he's the fulfillment of the scriptures, and Joseph said, great. And then he said, I believe all that, but then didn't marry Mary, divorced her, and went on his merry way. But he said, I believed. Would you think that Joseph had sincere faith? No. What shows that Joseph has true faith? He did what the angel said. I want you to see this. He showed his faith to be genuine through his actions. It's the kind of faith without works is dead. I believe I'm just not going to do anything you said. Do you realize how, obscu- how ridiculous that is? I know we're thinking, of, we're going to be going, we've been going through the book of James, we're going to get there, but I want you to see it's all throughout the Bible, that idea. If, if you don't act on your faith, it's probably not real. And so what does Joseph do? What the angel says and then some. See, this is a question that faith does not ask. What can I get away with? That is not the question that faith asks. Faith asks, how can I be obedient? Do you know what I mean by that? Have you ever had, you ever, I mean, this is like, like I, I was a youth pastor for a long, long time, and kids would come to me and say, how, mu- how far can I go in my dating relationship before it's sin? I said, you asking that question shows me you're already sinning, okay? Because that's not the question. The question is, how can I obey God and love God? Not how much can I get away with? If you're at that place where you're saying, how much sin can I get away with and still be saved, you have a severe spiritual problem. That is not the question. Joseph was not asking, how much can I get away with? His faith goes over and above, okay? Because the angel never told him not to know Mary, not to have sexual relations with Mary until afterwards. No, the angel just said, take her for a wife and name the kid Jesus, He does both of those things and then some because we see in verse 24, it says he took his, uh, verse 25, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. He's an overachiever. The angel didn't even tell him to do that. He's like, I'm not even going to know my wife until, until she's had this baby. It's over and above what the angel said. So he did the two things. He said, it says right here, they called him Jesus and he married her. I want you to notice something else. Faith that acts in the face of adversity or faith that even leads you into adversity glorifies and inspires. Do you realize that nobody was going to believe Joseph or Mary? Like nobody. You know what helped them believe believe all these stories? The resurrection actually showed like, oh yeah, that has to be true because the dude got up, okay? And then ascended. All right? So I want you to hit, get this idea. Joseph, by marrying Mary, was putting himself in the way of scorn from other people and for, in the way of gossip. Could you imagine when they would go to the well together? Did you hear about Joseph? I thought Mary was just the bad one. But apparently he's at fault too because he married her. And you know he wouldn't been marry her if he wasn't the father. And you, you can imagine, those were small towns, folks. 
You can't buy something at Piggly Wiggly out here and around here. Could you, could you imagine this scandal showed up? I thought a lot of Joseph until he did this one. And the whole time, what did they have to do? He trusted God. And his faith in God led him into scandal. Oh, how quickly we think when tough times come, do we think, God, how could you do this? God, how? It might be that God is leading you into a difficult season for his glory. And not only for his glory, but also to inspire others to obey. How many of us would like to read a story about Joe Christian, who was a man who placed his faith in Jesus, never had any problems, never did anything risky, lived his life, went to church, gave in the offering plate, nothing really happened to him, and then he died and went to heaven. Do you think that would be a best-selling book? No! It would be ridiculous. But all of us, it seems like all of us would like that to be our life. But do you realize something? There is a greater, deeper way to acknowledge and experience Jesus, and that is walking with him by faith in the dangerous areas. Here is the facts. Jesus does not call you to, to comfort. He calls you to follow him. And he is called, he called Joseph, I want you to embrace this scandal. Not that you did anything wrong, but you need to follow me in the face of all the, all the gossip, all the backbiting, all of the shame, all of it. You follow me because I got a better, bigger plan. And that thing inspires us to faith. I, one of my favorite things to do, especially when my heart is cold, is to read about men and women of the faith who have gone before me and have, have endured incredible hardships and trials and to see their faith and how God worked in those situations. There's a guy by the name of George Mueller who lived in the 1800s in England. He was, you could tell he was German by birth, but he lived in London. He decided that he wanted to do something that glorified God, and, and he wanted to show that God can be trusted. So you know what he did? And in in, in he basically decided he was going to found orphanages before orphanages were even a thing, really. And he did this, and he housed thousands and thousands of orphan, orphans without ever asking for money or without him taking a salary. He never asked anybody for money. You know what he did? He prayed. And you know what showed up at his door? Thousands upon millions of dollars in today's currency. Go read the story, George Mueller. Go check it out. It's unbelievable. You're like, I can't believe that. Do you know what? That story, what does that inspire you to do? I want to pray like that. I want to know God like that. I want to see God work like that. If you don't ever move past where you're comfortable, first off, that's not faith. It's not trust. Secondly, you will not see God move. You will not understand what it's like to know God if you stay where you're comfortable. But Joseph's faith led him into this place where he was thought of as a just man. And he still was, but everyone else looked at him and said, he has lost it. How could he put himself with that, that one? Why did he do it? Because he trusted God. 
I hope you wonder at the fact that God would come to us through the virgin conception and through this scandal. But I also pray and hope that you would wonder at the obedience of this man and be inspired to take a step of faith because of how you see God work in these situations. My prayer for my life in the next coming year is God stretch me. I'd love to be taller. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay? No. God, put me out. Let me take a step of faith out from where I'm comfortable towards you because it is in those acts of faith, in those times that you show yourself faithful and you glorify your name. Church, are we going to stay in the safe harbor, if you will, of kind of benign Christianity? Or will we see the faith that we're called to in the Scriptures and with reckless abandonment and be inspired to wonder and action? I will never forget when I put those Christmas lights up. I went back and even looked this up on my Facebook page, if you remember when I decided to buy the Christmas lights. Judson was about six months old. I put them on the front bushes of our house and waited for it to get dark. The lights came on, and we took him outside. And he saw those lights, and that look came over his face of like, wow. And I pray this for us, that we would look at the coming of the Lord Jesus this year. And we just say, wow. And that we would look at the faith of those who trust that God, who is so worthy to be trusted. And that we would say, wow, what a God to trust. And we would take a step of faith. Let's pray. We are so unworthy of your goodness to us, God. But you lavished it upon us in showing your great grace and love to us. Thank you for the cross of Christ. Thank you for the coming of Christ, that he comes to us as fully God and fully man. We're thankful, God, that you inspire through your glory faith like the faith that we have seen in Joseph. And God, we, we ask that you would call us to faith in that manner. God, may we stop with wonder at this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.